Happy Thursday, everybody, and welcome to the David Glenn Show. Top your afternoon is off to a fantastic start. We have some fun in store for you today, including the National Football League. Week 15 action begins tonight, and you get to see arguably the best team in the NFL, the Baltimore Ravens. Arguably the best candidate for MVP, Lamar Jackson. He missed practice time this week because of a quadriceps injury, but he was a full go yesterday at practice, and he says he will play tonight against the New York Jets despite that lingering issue. The Ravens are favored by 16 or 17 points, but remember, the Jets have actually won four of their last five games. We'll talk NFL Week 15, including tonight, as we sprinkle in some questions of the day on the college football, NFL, and other headlines of the day, including this one. How good is the Carolina Panthers' job right now, and why? Bill Barnwell of ESPN is one of my favorite analysts on that sport, and he ranked today the nine NFL head coaching jobs that are either already open, meaning the Washington and Carolina franchises, but also seven more that he thinks are likely, or in some cases, extremely likely, to become open over these next two and a half weeks. Where did the Panthers job rank from one through nine on that list of real or potential vacancies? And why did Bill Barnwell put the Panthers on that list? You may have them high, you may have them low. The question of the day includes how good or not is the Carolina Panthers job right now and why? Usually you think of ownership. You think of current talent level. You think of other things that increase or decrease your chances of winning. I think the Panthers job is a good job, especially compared to the others that are open or are expected to come open. I'll tell you where Bill Barnwell put the Panthers one through nine in his expertise, and we'll welcome your answers to that question of the day. Of course, we'll dive into college football as well. It is Heisman Trophy week with four invitees to New York City for that ceremony on Saturday night. It is Army-Navy week. Whereas we have a little ways to go for more actual football games, bowls, college football playoffs, etc. Army-Navy is this weekend, and it is celebrated by many as one of the great rivalries in all of sports. Both of today's guests are at least in some way connected to the Army-Navy rivalry. John Feinstein literally wrote the book on the Army-Navy football rivalry. He called the book a civil war, Army versus Navy inside college football's purest rivalry. John Feinstein, the most prolific sports author in the history of our country, is going to join us today in hour number three. We'll talk about Army-Navy and some other things as he wrote the book on such things. Also, Heisman Week, my thoughts and yours on that special presentation on Saturday night. Meanwhile, in the college football world, you've probably heard by now, Appalachian State University has a new football coach, and it is a familiar face. Offensive line coach Sean Clark, 
who was already the interim head coach after Eli Drinkwitz left to take the Missouri job in the SEC. Sean Clark is going to have that interim label removed. He will be that full-time head coach. He is a former App State offensive lineman, so homegrown, as was Scott Satterfield, who spent a couple decades in Boone before taking the Louisville job about a year ago at this time. Sean Clark, former offensive lineman for the Mountaineers, former offensive line or current offensive line coach and interim head coach. He is going to officially get that job. I believe the announcement is tomorrow. Shout out to Ethan Joyce of the Winston-Salem Journal, who does a great job covering the Mountaineers, among other things. He was the first I saw to report that breaking news. So good work by Ethan. Doug Gillen, by the way, athletic director. My sources, probably Ethan's sources and everybody else's, turns out he's going to stay with the Mountaineers. So a lot of good news in App State land as some were licking their wounds because Eli Drinkwitz used that team as a stepping stone less than one full season before he left to take the Missouri job. And that four to five time quantum leap in compensation that went with that. What is the best or worst example you recall of a head coach at his alma mater. Sean Clark may be great, may not be great. I have seen every variation of such things both in our state and across the college football and college basketball landscapes. You probably all know Mike Krzyzewski is not a Duke grad, right? Hall of Fame coach, arguably the greatest of all time, but he's an Army grad not coaching at his own alma mater, right? John Calipari is not a Kentucky grad. And on down the list, most actually, about 90% of Division I men's basketball coaches are not coaching at their alma mater. Of course, that means that about 10% are college football or college basketball. You can fill the, in the blanks. Dean Smith was not a UNC grad, but Roy Williams is a UNC grad. Similarly, across college football, remember Scott Satterfield, was and is an App State grad. So when he built that program to great things, he was one of, I think, the better recent examples in college football of the graduate of his own school doing well at his alma mater. Dabo Sweeney is not a Clemson graduate, right? He's an Alabama grad. Nick Saban is not an Alabama grad. Most of the examples of the best coaches, most of the examples overall, are not coaching at their alma mater. What is the best or worst example you recall of a head coach at his alma mater? Success stories, miserable failures, maybe something in between. Congratulations to Sean Clark getting promoted to the App State job. Again, that is his alma mater. We'll get it to more of your phone calls, including on the question of the day. Other things on my mind include college basketball. It is exam week for most, so there are not as many games. But looking forward to the weekend, you got Wake Forest hosting Xavier. The Musketeers are 9-1 and one and in the top 25, so a perhaps resume builder for the Deeks if they can spring an upset. They are at home. NC State visits UNC Greensboro. Both Kevin Keats and Wes Miller off to really good starts. They face each other on Sunday afternoon. Carolina hosts Wofford this weekend, and then Duke hosts that same Wofford team a week from today. So Mike Young already doing really good things with Virginia Tech as the first-year head coach of the Hokies. That's his former school. He built Wofford into a Southern Conference superpower. The Tar Heels get a shot at Wofford in Chapel Hill on Sunday. 
the Blue Devils get a shot at that same team a week from today. Also on my mind, the NHL, the Carolina Hurricanes got their five-game road trip off to a great start earlier this week, winning 6-3 at the Edmonton Oilers. They are one of the better teams in the Western Conference. And this five-game road trip includes three more in Western Canada, including tonight. It'll be a little late night with the Canes at Vancouver, 10 o'clock puck drop or so, our time, another perhaps playoff team out west. The Canes in the NHL, a whole lot on the Panthers, the Jets at the Ravens tonight, and other NFL. I have baseball updates, whereas yesterday we were talking about Garrett Cole, the ace right-handed pitcher, leaving Houston and signing with the Big Bucks New York Yankees. More news today, including the Yankees keeping free agent outfielder Brett Gardner on a one-year deal. And an even bigger deal, the Washington Nationals have lost their third baseman. Huge in the playoffs and otherwise. Anthony Rendon has signed with the L.A. Angels seven years, $245 million in that deal to send him out to L.A. 1-800-849-2761. John Feinstein wrote the book on Army-Navy. He joins us third hour. Chris Spatola is a college basketball expert, formerly on Coach K's staff at Duke, formerly a star guard for the Army basketball team. So he is a West Point grad. He'll have a fighting interest as Army takes on Navy in the on the gridiron this weekend. We will tap into both his experience at West Point and, of course, his basketball expertise as well. Chris Spatola, second hour. John Feinstein, third hour. Just this week, we had our fourth number one ranked college basketball team go down to defeat. It was Michigan State on opening night of this current 2019-2020 season. It was Kentucky falling to Evansville. It was Duke falling to Stephen F. Austin while the Devils had that number one ranking. And this week, it was Louisville falling to Texas Tech. It's only mid-December and we've already had four different number ones go down. We'll see who's number one in the next rankings that come out over the weekend. Chris Patola next hour, John Feinstein third hour. I have other things on my mind including the NBA. The Hornets are not a very good team, but if you love the underdog, Devontae Graham, the second-year guard out of Kansas via Broughton High School here in Raleigh, has been absolutely sensational as he was again last night in a Hornets victory. That and other NBA, the Canes and perhaps other NHL, Major League Baseball free agency, college football in a lot of varieties, college basketball, and I hate to even mention it because it was mostly bad news, but the President's Cup intrigues me. I don't know how many of you as golf fans also are watching the U.S. versus the world. Day one in Australia was a disaster for Team USA. Tiger Woods and Justin Thomas first pairing out. They won, and then nothing good happened after that. It is four to one in, favorite, in favor of the internationals. This, remember, has been contested 12 times the President's Cup. Only one out of those 12 did the internationals beat the Americans. So it is a shocking day one. Five more matches tonight, our time. It's actually tomorrow, their time. The alternate shot format is in play today after the best ball format was taken by the internationals yesterday. 1-800-849-2761. You get your wheels turning on the questions of the day. You can jump in on any one of these. I'll tell you where ESPN's Bill Barnwell put the Panthers job among the nine that are either open right now or expected to come open within the next three weeks. Question for you, how good or not is the Panthers job right now and why? 
Why did Bill Barnwell have them somewhere one through nine? I'll tell you the good, the bad, the in-between, and the why. Meanwhile, you can jump in on this question. I won't tell you what inspired it because it would give it away, but here it is. Who is the greatest single professional athlete you have ever seen who simply never got enough help to win big? He individually was incredibly good, and you'll never forget how good he was, but they just never built a team around him in whatever sport. Sometimes you'll hear that Archie Manning was an example of that in the NFL. Peyton was not only great, he got help in Indianapolis and in Denver, right? Eli was not only really good and occasionally great, he got help with the New York Giants on the way to two Super Bowls and two Super Bowl victories. Archie Manning never got that help. Peyton and Eli's dad, fit. They, he fits the description to this question of the day. Who is the greatest single professional athlete you've ever seen who just never got enough help to win big? I believe one of the best current answers to that question in today's American sports world just got some really, really good news, perhaps suggesting that he will not have to end his career as someone who was individually brilliant and yet never got enough help so that his team had a chance to win big while he was putting up, in this case, Hall of Fame caliber numbers individually. And the other question of the day, of course, what is that best or worst example you recall of a head coach at his alma mater? Sean Clark promoted to head coach of the App State Football Mountaineers. He is a former Mountaineers offensive lineman. He will add his name to this list. It's not a long list. Typically in college football, the FBS level, there are 10 to 20 examples at any given time. At, of guys coaching at their alma mater. That's not a lot, not a little. As similarly, in basketball, it might be 30 out of 350-plus. So it does happen. There are advantages. There are disadvantages. I'll share some stories of coaches who have told me both sides of that fence as we welcome your calls, 1-800-849-2761. Two great guests later, Charles Hadley is in for Darren Vaught who is off on assignment with the High Point basketball team, Tubby Smith and the Panthers. Darren, of course, nowadays also the voice of those High Point Panthers. Charles is in for Darren today and tomorrow. Be nice to him. Sam is representing, as always, with distinction, the University of North Carolina. Intern Sam will be the first voice you hear if you dial 1-800-849-2761. You have three choices for question of the day. You can steer us wherever you want to go. I have more on the broadest question of the day. Who's the greatest single professional athlete you've ever seen who simply never got enough help so that his team could win big? One of the best answers to that question is a current superstar in one of the sports that we love. And within the last 24 hours, he just got some good news. I am excited for him. How good or not is the Panthers' job by NFL standards and why? I'll tell you where Bill Barnwell put them, one through nine, in his current or potential vacancies. And then what is that best or worst example you recall of a head coach at his alma mater? From the great success stories to the miserable failures, one 1-800-849-2761. That's how you can join us next on The David Glenn Show. Megan Rapino is joining us on The David Glenn Show. Not everybody wants to sort of uh, back up Colin Kaepernick. Why are things like that important to you? I think it's all of our responsibility to try to make our country and our society and ultimately the world um, a place that is equal for everyone. This is The David Glenn Show. 
Welcome back to the David Glenn Show. John Feinstein, the legendary author, third hour. He wrote the book, literally, on Army-Navy. That great rivalry resumes on Saturday. Did you know that that game is the only gridiron matchup in all of college football where both entire student bodies are in the stands? True story. John called his book A Civil War when he wrote it long ago. Has done a lot of work with Army Football Radio as a sideline reporter since then. John Feinstein, third hour. A West Point grad, Chris Spatola of ESPN, joins us on College Basketball next hour. And we're coming to Ryan Wendell, Jeremy and Winston-Salem, and I'm offering my two cents on the questions of the day, which I hope involves something for everyone. Get your wheels turning and jump in on any of these questions of the day. Here we go. Number one, who is the greatest single professional athlete you have ever seen who just never got enough help to win big? I gave the Archie Manning example. I was young watching him play for the Saints. He was good. The Saints were almost always horrible around him. And, of course, that impacts you. Hopefully you don't have to retire under such circumstances. Lots of guys under, enter the league under tricky circumstances. But Peyton Manning got help and was great personally. Eli Manning got help and was great personally. And those guys are Super Bowl champions as a result. Archie didn't get that kind of help. Now, he wasn't the greatest athlete I've ever seen, but he was darn good and certainly didn't get much help at all. Who is the greatest single pro athlete you've ever seen who was brilliant individually but just never got enough help to win big. I believe within the last 24 hours, maybe the best current answer to this question of the day just got some really good news, and I am happy for him because I'd hate to see anybody burn 20 years of their life and career or especially the prime of their career being individually brilliant but not getting enough help. More on my answer with more of yours. 1-800-849-2761. If you want in on the NFL, Bill Barnwell of ESPN just wrote that among the nine jobs that are either already open, Washington and Carolina, or expected to come open, six or seven more, he believes the Panthers' job is the second best job on the market out of those nine now that's not a ranking from one through 32 that's just who's probably going to make a change or definitely making a change in the case of the panthers they fit that latter description second only to the dallas cowboys bill barnwell one of the best experts i follow on the nfl that's a great sign if you're a fan of washington and people think your owner is crazy and reckless and incompetent, well, your job is not viewed as a very good job. Washington already open. Carolina already open. David Tepper is the wealthiest owner in the National Football League. The Panthers have under contract an offensive superstar in Christian McCaffrey, a defensive superstar in Luke Keekley, and a lot of other pieces. Not an elite NFL roster, but certainly really good pieces signed into the future. There is the quarterback question, and that's why it's not a perfect job. None of these are. He had the Dallas Cowboys vacancy expected unless Jason Garrett wins the Super Bowl. Jerry Jones is going to end that 10-year experiment. He had the Cowboys job first and your Carolina Panthers second. That question of the day, how good or not is the Panthers job right now and why? Barnwell went into many details, pro and con. You can share yours. I will share mine as well. And finally, with App State elevating interim head coach and former player Sean Clark to the full-time head coaching position. The Mountaineers will be another example of 
a guy coaching at his alma mater. There are success stories that fit that description. There are miserable failures that fit that description. Our question to you, what's the best or worst example you recall of a head coach at his alma mater? Great answers during the break. Roy Williams of Carolina is one of the greatest success stories of a coach at his alma mater in the history of college sports. Three-time national champion, a lot of other success. Remember, Coach K is not a Duke grad. Remember, Nick Saban is not an Alabama grad. Dabo Sweeney is not a Clemson grad. Other really good answers so far, Jim Beheim of Syracuse, certainly a very successful coach there after being a player there. Lavelle Moton is the greatest basketball coach in NC Central history, right in our backyard, after being the greatest player or one of them in NC Central history. Matt Painter at Purdue. Bob Huggins at West Virginia was a good answer. Uh, they've don't have a lot of time to get rolling yet, but Patrick Ewing at Georgetown, Jamie Dixon at TCU, more examples. One funny thing I got as we come to Ryan and Wendell, the number of guys who leave their alma mater, and you might think that the sentiment could be so strong that you'd stay there longer or maybe retire there or not leave at all, right? Roy Williams ain't leaving Carolina. Some of these other examples, they're going to, you know, Jim Beheim has had lots of chances to leave Syracuse, but he has spent basically my entire lifetime either playing or coaching the Orange. In other cases, keep in mind, Mick Cronin's alma mater was Cincinnati, and he left when the West Coast came calling. Chris Mack's alma mater is Xavier. He left the Musketeers when Louisville came calling. And in other cases, just because it is your alma mater doesn't mean it's going to be a success story. I grew up watching Chris Mullen play at St. John's as an All-American. I also recently covered his dismissal at St. John's as the head coach this past offseason. Kevin Ollie, player for the Connecticut Huskies, Head coach with a national title at UConn, fired amidst scandal by his own alma mater. Best wishes to Sean Clark as he gets underway leading the App State football program. No more interim label for him. And Doug Gillen, the athletic director, is going to stay in Boone as well. So great news for App fans in the aftermath of Eli Drinkwitz's quick departure for Missouri of the SEC. Ryan and Wendell, who is that greatest single pro athlete you've ever seen who just never got enough help so that his team won at a high level. Welcome to the program. Go right ahead. Hey, 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 Bob. I'm going to say Barry Sanders. I almost think that it's not – I can almost not imagine a better argument than him. I'm with he you, man. Just, I wrote God. down sport by sport different guys. One of the first NFL names I wrote down – it might have been the first – was Barry Sanders. What's the picture in your mind's eye? Because mine is Barry Sanders cranking out 100-yard game, games and 1,000-plus-yard seasons and setting statistical records left and right, and yet we almost never saw him in the playoffs. Well, the, what I think of is, you know, I, I think of Barry Sanders all the time because people keep foolishly comparing people to him. Like uh, right now, it's, oh, Lamar Jackson, he's amazing. He, he's almost like Barry Sanders yeah. out there. And until I see Lamar Jackson's legs running in one direction and his waist turning right. completely the opposite direction yeah. and his arms, I mean, he moved around like he was a, a He-Man action figure or something like that. He, was, he was a freak show, wasn't he? And yeah, he was I, a great I, example I, of a guy who not only was great without much help, he just kind of stepped away on his own terms, right? I, I don't even have an image. There are a lot of athletes that hang around too long, and their lasting image is, is a lesser version of themselves. All I think of from Barry Sanders' rookie year to his final season with the Lions is greatness. 
and you know there, there just was no lag time there there was no downtime that i remember what i thought figured barry sanders did was he just said you know this is never going to get better and i don't want to go to another team i'm done yeah he leave before he broke his knees or something like that and, you know and i was i've always liked that that he never came back he just said you know i've, I've had enough of this Thanks for playing. Thanks for playing, Ryan. That is maybe the best answer, certainly one of the best answers from the NFL. Joe in Jamestown, North Carolina, actually has my answer to the question of the day. I will elaborate on why after Joe gives his answer to one of our questions of the day. Who's the greatest single pro athlete you've ever seen who just never got enough help to win big. Barry Sanders, a good one from the NFL. Archie Manning, a good one from back in the day in that same sport. I have a current baseball player on my mind, and I think so does Joe in Jamestown. Go right ahead. Um, how you doing, DG? Doing great, man. Good to have you with us. Thanks. Um, it's got to be Mike Trout, who a is Amen. the best baseball player breathing, and he just wallows in their mediocrity. It is incredible. This struck me. I just looked at uh, Mike Trout's time with the L.A. Angels when Anthony Rendon, great third baseman for the Washington Nationals as they won the World Series, free agent, wasn't sure where he was going to go. My Phillies were looking at him for a while. Sure enough, Anthony Rendon ends up with the L.A. Angels, seven years, $245 million. Yesterday's big deal was Garrett Cole to the Yankees. Within the last 24 hours, it was Anthony Rendon to the Angels. And I was excited for Mike Trout. And for those who don't know, Trout grew up in Jersey. He, to this day, considers himself a Philadelphia sports fan. So he'll go to Eagles games. He'll even go to Phillies games. And, of course, a lot of Philly fans just yearned for the day where maybe Mike Trout could be lured to his hometown favorite, his childhood favorite. He grew up rooting for the Phillies and going to Phillies games. Well, sure enough, he is the best player in baseball, period. He is that good. His numbers, like if he stopped playing tomorrow, he would still be in the Hall of Fame. It surprised me that he's been there for eight years, and it did not surprise me that they do not have a single postseason series win in Mike Trout's eight years of brilliance with the L.A. Angels. If that is not a wasted prime, I don't know what is. The guy's a perennial all-star. He's brilliant offensively, brilliant defensively. He runs the base as well. He hits for power. He's a clubhouse leader. He is everything you could possibly want in a baseball player. And yet in his eight seasons with the Angels, you know how many times they've made the playoffs? One. And what did they do when they got there? Nothing. That's, that's a lack of support. That's a Barry Sanders-level lack of support. That is an Archie Manning-level lack of support. The optimism, of course, and I'll let you keep going, Joe, because you might have more thoughts on Mike Trout and maybe another nominee. The optimistic part of this picture, sadly, I had to give up on my Mike Trout to his childhood favorite Phillies uh, because he signed. I think he's in the midst of like a 10-year deal. He re-signed with the Angels for mega bucks. Right now, the Angels, of course, still have Mike Trout, just added Anthony Rendon. I know Albert Pujols is not what he once was, but he, he's still on the Angels roster, making a lot of money as well. They still have uh, Shohei Otani, uh, international phenom. The Angels right now are the first team in the history of Major League Baseball to have commitments in the $240 million or more range to three different players. Mike Trout's deal, 
was 12 years, $430 million. That is the largest in the history of North American sports, not just baseball. So Trout, $430 million. Pujols is, I guess, toward the end of his 10-year, $240 million deal. And Anthony Rendon is just starting his 7-year, $245 million deal. Otani's a young star. I don't know if the Angels automatically are among the favorites in the American League because of this, but I do know that Mike Trout has more support right now than he had at any point in his first eight seasons with the Angels, and it just makes me smile. I mean, I rooted for Barry Sanders, and and he just ended, began and ended his brilliant career with not enough support and not enough in between, and the occasional good year for the team but the perennial great year for the individual player. That's what Mike Trout has been, and I'm glad that at least midway through his career, he has a chance to change that narrative. Who else did you have in mind, or what else did you have on your mind about Mike Trout? Go ahead. Well, the uh, you know he for starters he's humble, yeah, and he's a freak. He's a freak show in a baseball uniform. Um, I've been praying for. I'm a Braves fan, but I've been praying for five years that the Angels would get a couple of good starters just so I could see Mike Trout in the postseason yeah. and hopefully, hopefully someday in a World Series. Um, but the person, the other person I was calling you about is uh, NFL quarterback from about three decades ago, Dan Marino. Mm. Um, for people that didn't get to see Dan Marino play, uh, he, if you see a lot of the statistics for NFL quarterbacks, all-time statistics, he's still in the top five it's in crazy. a couple of categories. And if he had played his career in the last 15 or 18 years, nobody would ever catch him. Um, in the days when he played, defensive backs could still put their hands on defenders. Right. I think, right. I think until the ball was thrown. <laughs> um, I can't I mean, remember that rule, but I know this. I grew up watching two guys, at least two that come to mind immediately. Dan Fouts of the old Chargers and Dan Marino of the old Dolphins were so far ahead of their time as elite passers that it's incredible. I mean, it's pinball machine numbers if you try to translate what they did back then to the modern rules, the modern era, the modern offenses. They were way ahead of their time. I will say that Marino... I don't think he falls quite into the Barry Sanders bag or the Mike Trout bag. Like, he had enough help that the Dolphins made the playoffs a bunch of times. Now, he did never, famously, he never got the Super Bowl ring, um, but he was in the mix. The Dolphins often let him down because of a lack of defense, but... He, he was not the Archie Manning, wow, Archie's good and the Saints are always horrible. Marino didn't get enough help, but we at least got to see him. Like, eight years of Mike Trout, and we only saw him in one series that the Angels lost, like briefly. Eight years of the best player on the planet, and we didn't see him win a single series. We saw Marino at least win playoff games, you know? So it's, I agree he didn't get enough help. It's not quite as extreme an example as your Mike Trout example is. Either way, thanks for your contribution. It is an outstanding one. 1-800-849-2761. Let me try Evan in Greensboro because I think he has one of the best answers to another question of the day. With Sean Clark getting the head coaching job at App State, no more interim. He is the head coach. That announcement is, is coming soon. We asked the question, what's the best or worst example you recall of a head coach at his alma mater. I've seen train wreck stories. I've also seen the Roy Williams UNC incredible success story and virtually everything in between. Evan in Greensboro, who's on your mind with that question of the day? 
as a UF grad, I'd, ha- I'd had to call in and uh, say Steve Spurrier. Amen, brother. I mean, in, in the history of college football, your answer is one of the best answers to the question of the day. Seriously, I, there are others. Like, I don't, you might not be old enough to know that Bear Bryant was an Alabama graduate, right? So Bear Bryant, one of the greatest coaches in the history of college football. How many national titles did he have? A lot, like more than one hand worth of national championships with the Crimson Tide. There are, I believe it's only five or six FBS coaches that led their team to at least their alma mater to at least one national title. And Steve Spurrier has two to his credit, right? Only one. Oh, I'm sorry. One with the Gators. So Spurrier has one. Bear Bryant has a bunch. And it's actually a good trivia question. If there are only five or six that fit this description, Steve Spurrier is the second most recent example of an FBS football coach leading his team, his alma mater, to the national championship. As an SEC fan, Evan, would you know the other one? It came soon after (laughs) Spurrier led the Gators to their title. Uh, let's see, uh, Fulmer? That is correct. I put the guy on the spot, the poor guy. He's calling to contribute to the program, and I'm turning it upside down on him. Thank you, Evan. That's really well done, man. Drop me an email. I'm going to find a prize in the prize closet for you. Philip Fulmer is a Tennessee graduate, and it was, I believe, the 1998 season. So just a couple after uh, Spurrier led the Gators to theirs. Uh, Philip Fulmer in 1998, as an alum, led the Tennessee Volunteers with the help of our friend David Cutcliffe to the national championship that season. That is, the, that's what, 20 plus years ago, that's the most recent example at the FBS football level again of an alum leading his team to the national championship. Evan, it's D. Glenn at accsports.com. First initial, last name, no dots at accsports.com. I'm going to find a holiday prize for you from our prize closet, man. Thanks for contributing. You got it. 1-800-849-2761. More of your phone calls on the other side and more of the things I promised. The Panthers job is ranked by some experts as one of the best on the NFL coaching carousel. Meanwhile, week 15 of on the field action begins tonight. The Panthers, of course, have to deal with Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks, but given that they're out of the playoff picture by a lot, Jets at Ravens at least involves tonight a New York team that has won four of its last five and a Ravens team that arguably is the best the NFL has to offer right now. MVP candidate Lamar Jackson says he will play despite being limited in practice this week with a quadriceps injury. More of you wanting our questions of the day. We have several for your consideration. Who is that greatest single pro athlete you've ever seen who just never got enough help to win big? Mike Trout of the LA Angels is the exactly correct current answer to that question. And he just got more help via the Angels signing of Anthony Rendon and others in free agency. Archie Manning, Barry Sanders, Calvin Johnson, another good answer from the NFL world. You can jump in. Any sport now, what pro athlete, what's the greatest single pro athlete you've ever seen who just never got enough help for his team to win big? You can jump in on that one. With Sean Clark and App State in the headlines, we're asking what's the best or worst example you recall of a head coach at his alma mater? Success stories, miserable failures, and everything in between. And, of course, how good is the Panthers' job or not right now and why? Bill Barnwell with more of his explanation. Chris Spatola on college hoops and a little Army-Navy in 20 minutes. John Feinstein wrote the book, literally, on the Army-Navy football rivalry. 
The prolific American sports author joins us in hour number three. On the other side, it's more chances for you to participate. 1-800-849-2761 on The David Glenn Show. Coach Lou Holtz is joining us. What can you tell us about those four seasons in Raleigh? Everybody from North Carolina calling us Boo You and Agriculture You. And I remember walking in the press conference saying, I want everybody in the state to understand agriculture is better than no culture. Stay with us on The David Glenn Show. Back to the David Glenn Show. Chris Patola of ESPN on College Hoops and a little Army-Navy. He's a West Point grad in about 15 minutes. John Feinstein, third hour. More of your calls now. We're having fun with some questions of the day. We're having some fun with the NFL, college football. Mike Trout getting some help with the L.A. Angels via free agency and the Anthony Rendon mega-dollar signing inspired this question of the day. Who is that greatest pro athlete you've seen in any sport who just never got enough help to win big, meaning with his team. Barry Sanders, Lions running back, good example. Archie Manning, old Saints quarterback, another good example. Calvin Johnson, also in Detroit, wide receiver, another really good example. Mike Trout has been that for his sensational eight-year Major League Baseball career. He's finally getting a little more help with L.A. We'll see if after eight years and not a single postseason series victory, for Mike Trout's L.A. Angels, this year's free agency swirl will help him in that regard. Meanwhile, with Sean Clark being promoted to the head coach at App State, we're asking for great success stories and even miserable failures when it comes to guys coaching at their own alma mater. In college football, the best answers I've gotten so far among current coaches include Scott Satterfield, no longer at App, but he certainly built something special there at his alma mater before he left. Kirby Smart of Georgia is the rare exception in the national top 10 of a guy who is coaching where he played or where he went to school. Guy named Brian Harson is the Boise State coach. He's a former Boise player. And of course, in college hoops, Roy Williams at Carolina, Jim Beheim at Syracuse, Matt Painter at Purdue, Lavelle Moton at NC Central. If you go into the Wayback Machine, and go beyond current coaches. Obviously, guys like Frank Beamer at Virginia Tech start to pop up and a whole bunch of others over the years. There have been just as many failures, by the way, as success stories, if not more so. When I think about just my time covering the ACC, John Bunting, personal friend of mine, not a success story as UNC's football coach after playing for Bill Dooley and the Tar Heels back in the day. I'd say Chuck Amato at NC State had more of a mixed bag, right? I mean, he led the Wolfpack to its top win total in the history of the program in one of those Phillip Rivers years. All did end up losing his job and getting fired by his alma mater. But as a player, he was part of a famous white shoes defense uh, back in the 60s, I think it was. So more of a success story, I think, than a failure for sure with Coach Amato. That's who Charlie and Raleigh has on his mind. Is that the first guy that came to mind on the question of the day? Actually, it is, yeah. <laughs> It's a good example from our neighborhood, that's for sure, because Chuck Amato did a lot better at State than I mentioned John Bunting at UNC, or remember Randy Shannon was a Miami uh, player, failed with the Hurricanes. Mark Richt was a Miami player, and I can't say he was a failure as a head coach, but you know he ended up being there for only a few years before stepping into the broadcast booth. And in the news lately, by the way, the guy who got fired at Ole Miss before – Lane Kiffin was hired. Matt Luke's an old Miss, former Ole Miss player. Uh, Barry, the guy that Eli Drinkwitz just replaced at Missouri. Barry Odom's 
a Missouri grad. Like, you want to talk about sad stories. Getting run out of town by your alma mater has to be about as sad as it gets in the nomadic world of college coaching. Go ahead, Charlie, with your other thoughts. Okay, well, the, the reason I say Sakamoto is because I, he did have one of the best, the best seasons. Yeah. However, I think in the business world, I would compare him to a great salesman, but not a good manager. Hmm. Yeah, I think you're right, man. What a recruiter Chuck was. But, and... I thought just uh, the way he handled the Phillip Rivers recruitment, but also four years as a starter. I'd, I'll say this. The highest talent level I've ever seen in 33 years of covering NC State football, and there have been other peaks, even under Dave Doran with Bradley Chubb and those guys, the highest level of consistently high talent on both sides of the ball that I've ever seen from Wolfpack football, again, 33 years, was the peak of the Chuck Amato era. I mean, it was Mario Williams, and it was T.A. McClendon, and it was Phillip Rivers, and it was both sides of the ball. And he recruited the state of Florida really well, being a former Florida State assistant under Bobby Bowden for a long time. He knew all the high school coaches there. It was an exciting time, man. I'll never forget the Chuck Amato era in Raleigh. Yeah, I totally agree. And by the way, since you mentioned it, T.A. was in, by the way. Yeah, T.A. was in. Hey, I don't know if you saw the photo. On my last big tailgate tour stop at Carter-Finley, I'm handing out a tailgate of the week award to some folks that I had not met before, but they just had a cool tailgate. And who saunters over but the guy at the tailgate right next door? And and his brother asked me, do you know who this gentleman is? And I said, that is T.A. McClendon. And T.A. Uh, was incredibly gracious, and we joked about, you know, him being in and all that stuff. Uh, he's doing well. He says the Wolfpack is still a huge part of his family. Uh, what is this, more than a decade after his playing days? So it was great to see him, man. He still loves the Wolfpack. And he was a lot of fun to talk with. I remember trying to interview him when he was a player, and he just was not as talkative. Uh, all these years later, I mean, it wasn't an interview. I was just chatting with the dude at a tailgate party. But he, he was a lot more fun to talk to in retirement, I guess you could say. Uh, he was more a producer and less a talker during his time with the pack. I'm up against a break, Charlie, so I can't. I don't have time to squeeze in the, the Phillip Rivers nominee might be appropriate philip is another example to me where he has had a lot of bad defenses a lot of bad special teams but it's a little bit closer to the dan marino story where he hasn't had enough to win a super bowl but he's certainly had enough to make some runs into the playoffs just as marino did we're back after this i don't want those damn dookies rooting for us they've hated all year long let them go right on hate the situation were reversed i would hope they would lose by a hundred you're in fantasy land if you ever think nc state's gonna make it back to the national championship game so just forget that right now go to hell carolina go to hell keeping the peace in nc on the david glenn show Chris Spatola was a cadet at Army and a star point guard at that. We, of course, will talk college hoops with the ESPN analyst, but with Army-Navy football this weekend, we'll ask him to reflect back on that rivalry as well. Chris Spatola joins us next on The David Glenn Show. The great difference between sport and capital E Entertainment and capital S Sport is that we don't know the outcome, and that feeling of uncertainty, positively or negatively, is unique. We are quoting Bob Ryan the way I would quote you know, Aristotle or Confucius. You're listening to The David Glenn Show.